Well, Molly, the headline wrote itself the seventh times the charm. Halak is in the winning column. It took long enough, but man, was that win in Ottawa Wednesday much needed for this struggling blue shirts team. It was, and I think it was even more so needed for Halak himself, although he didn't really let on how much it was weighing on him. It didn't really seem like it was at all, to be honest. And then that's kind of what I wrote about. He's such a veteran, been around the block. He's not rattled easily, and and he knew that the first W was coming, and it was only a matter of time. But it definitely was big for him and big for the team, that's for sure. Coach Galant, is he on the hot seat? It's a big push button topic amongst Rangers fans. We'll talk about it. And Molly will also go inside the locker room and take us into some of her conversations with Rangers players. Lots to do after a week away on a post Thanksgiving edition of Up in the Blue Seats from the New York Post. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Ladies and gentlemen, we ask that you for a special presentation. Up the board, stopped by Lindgren for a shot, save, Tubman, rebound, score! Jimmy Vesey and the Rangers score first. Lindgren toward the net, they score! A deflection, I believe, by Barkley Goodrow. A shot, score! A deflection by Chris Kreider. And the Rangers lead 3-1. It's about to win. That's all it was. No care if it's protected or coming from behind. Doesn't make a difference. Welcome back to Up in the Blue Seats, our New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Those highlights you heard courtesy of MSG Network. We're back. Hope everybody had a healthy, happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy the time. With their families, Jake Brown, the podfather here alongside the queen of the post. That's right. Molly Walker is in the building. Andrew Hartz is along with us. No Larry today, no guest today, but we have plenty to discuss. Molly, it's been a rocky roller coaster season for this team, and it was hitting a boiling point entering uh, Wednesday's game in Ottawa. I felt like that game, they lose that one, Molly, and this thing could get out of control Halak is in the winning column. He could breathe a sigh of relief. You know, a veteran goalie who's had a nice career who couldn't find a win, couldn't buy a win. He got one <laughs> big sigh of relief for the Rangers, the fan base, the coaching staff. And I'm sure even for you uh, after <laughs> some uh, feisty words with Coach Gallant lately. Yeah, no, that game in Ottawa was as much of a must win game as you could get. Really? I mean, that phrase must win game gets thrown around a lot more than it probably should. But for the Rangers, that game in Ottawa was 100% a must win game. I mean, it was mostly just because of the way that three game losing streak unfolded, blowing a lot of leads, whether it was one goal, two goal, three goals. It was tough. It was it was a tough stretch. The confidence in that locker room definitely took a hit and a loss 
to the Senators, which is a completely inferior team to the Rangers, just would have could have sent the wheels spiraling off of the Rangers wagon. That's for sure. They went into Ottawa and they defended their lead with everything that they had. They did not relinquish it once. That wasn't going to happen. And and you could tell that they they knew that it was a must win and, and they delivered, which is I think Ranger fans should should also be breathing a sigh of relief to see the fight come back a little bit. I will say the Devils are going to be a problem for the Metropolitan Division, for the Eastern Conference, for the whole National Hockey League. The Devils are the real deal. I, I'm here to report. So, yeah, it was tough to see them lose to the Devils and, and in the way that they did. But the Devils are the real deal. And Gallant said, you know, he wants his team to be like them, yeah. uh, you know, after the game. So are the Devils last year's Rangers? That, is that a good comparison? Uh, to a degree. Think, in terms of the Cinderella story kind of thing? To a degree. I think it's still early. Anything could happen where we got like 60 something games left or 50 something games left. There's still a lot of time, but they have shot out of the gate, just shot out of a cannon, that Devils team. And and they're clicking on all cylinders. Jack Hughes looks like a star, is playing like a star. Uh, Jesper brought a menace on the ice. They're really clicking. And I think for the Devils, it's it's more so just how long it's taken for them to get to this point. It feels like they've been rebuilding for years. And uh, I mean, hey. Devils fans were calling for Lindy Ruff's job just a couple games into the season. And not too long ago, they were full on apologizing. (laughs) So I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, But lots going on over there in Newark. And uh, Devils fans should be excited. And Rangers fans should be a little concerned about their rivals across the Hudson. So I I would like to I'm excited to see how the series plays out uh, for the rest of the regular season. The Rangers should be able to beat them, but the Devils are, are up to par now that's for sure they'll get revenge monday the 12th of december against the devils once again and you know they're doing well molly because they don't always cross uh you know the george washington bridge to come (laughs) into the garden but apparently some fans did show up right like there Mm -hmm. was a good devil's contingency and igor getting heckled in his own building (laughs) it was quite the scene at the garden that night uh i think that devils fans have been on the other side of it for so long with Ranger fans infiltrating the Prudential Center, the Rock. So I think that Devils fans really wanted to show up in numbers for this one because not only were the Rangers spiraling at that moment in time after a brutal, brutal third period against the Oilers, but you know their team is looking like they're for real. So they wanted to come show up in numbers, see it in real time, and uh, they had their fun. That's for sure. You could you could hear them all around the arena. They're like you said, Jake, taunting Igor, um, which seems to be a thing now. It's exciting. It's exciting for the rivalry. If you are a hockey fan in general, the last time the Devils and the Rangers were in the playoffs together, I think it was eleven twelve. Uh, so it's it's been quite a while since all three tri-state teams have been pretty good. So I think it'll be uh, exciting for hockey fans. Yeah. And, and listen, as bad as this Rangers season has been, this team is still tied for the last playoff spot. So it could be worse. This could be they could be Ottawa. I mean, they could be that bad. <laughs> so there are worse things that could happen. 
And Igor has been a big topic because he's just not the same player. And also uh, without having to bleep it out, I'll, I'll say it in a different accent, but his <laughs> quote, the goalie played shite again. I am ashamed <laughs> shite game again. Are you concerned Molly with, with Igor's play? I'm not concerned. I'm more so concerned about the Rangers as a whole when taking into consideration that Shisterkin is not, playing to that otherworldly self that he was last season. And don't get me wrong, the season that he had last year is really difficult to replicate, no matter what, no matter who you are, Martin Brodeur, Andre Vasilevsky, Henrik Lundqvist, you know, doing that all again is a challenge in itself. So I don't think anybody necessarily expected him to be exactly that. But I guess the concerning part is that some of the usual saves that he made last season, he isn't making this season anymore, or at least at this moment in time. Uh, There's still time for him to ramp it back up. But it's more so concerning about the Rangers as a whole, because the Rangers in this 25 stretch of games have shown that they're not necessarily, I don't want to say good enough, but not up to where they want to be when they're not getting the saves that they that they use that they're used to getting from Igor Shisterkin. So I think that that's the concerning part that the Rangers might now have to overcompensate for not having that in net anymore. Um, and the question is, is if they can or not. So I guess really only time will tell, but I think that there's still enough time in the season for the Rangers to make the necessary adjustments to figure that out. And that was a trait of this team last season where they had these problems or or things that they weren't doing the way that they wanted to. Like they had some slow starts at the beginning of the season where they just were so flat right out of the gate. They were able to rectify that. That was something that was a trait under Gerard Gallant that they were able to figure things out relatively quickly before things spiraled. So, I mean, this is the Rangers last season, I think only lost three in a row twice, I think during the regular season. And it's already been three times this season. They've had that many losses in a row. So I think that everybody has said in the, in the locker room, the start to the season hasn't gone the way that they have hoped or the way that they imagined, but I still do think that the bones of that resilient Rangers team that we all came to know and love last season is still there. And I think that Wednesday in Ottawa actually is the perfect example of that delivering on a must win game. They're still capable of doing that. So I don't think the panic button should be pressed yet. Hands might be hovering over it, but don't press it just yet. Speaking of bones and the panic button, let's bring in Andrew Hartz as our lifelong Ranger fan. <laughs> we have to get your perspective. Have you hit? Or is your hand hovering over that panic button? And are you ready to push it, Hearts? It's not. I do worry about the Devils, like Molly mentioned. I think that they are kind of proving themselves that they're not a fluke. Again, it is still early in the season, so a lot can go on. Obviously, injuries can take a hold, but the division is going to be tough. And I think that's the thing when it comes down to the Rangers. You look at their schedule coming ahead and even their strength of schedule. I mean, I know, again, it's early, but strength of schedule, Rangers are kind of up there. So you do got to worry about that. But, you know, it, it's it's still early. I mean, Washington is is below the Rangers. Carolina is, you know, they're they're still not extremely hot yet. The Rangers give it time. I mean, again, they're still kind of finding their way through 
the changes that were made in the offseason. You kind of think about where this team was in the playoffs last year. You lose a lot of key guys, a lot of the key acquisitions. I'm not worried. I think that Chris Jury is going to go out there. He's going to find the right guys to kind of make things click, if you will. And they're kind of slowly building up the salary cap um, space that they're going to have to work with uh, for the trade deadline. So, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not worried just yet. I think that they're still just kind of working through the kinks. It's still kind of early on, but you got to have patience. I mean, again, I kind of compared this Rangers team or at least last year's Rangers team to kind of like the 2017 Yankees where there wasn't a lot of expectations out of them. And somehow they wound up in, you know, they almost went to the world series that year, the Yankees, same thing with the Rangers last year. I don't think there was a lot of people were expecting them to be where they were. And so now, unfortunately, as a Ranger fan, you know, we built up those expectations to be so freaking high mm. that when you see them kind of struggle now, you're like, well, what's going on? This isn't right. But anybody who listened to the podcast early on, you you heard the great Larry Brooks say that this team will only go as far as if you get an encore performance from Igor. And, you know, obviously it, it hasn't happened so far, but, you know, the talent's there. So you just got to be patient. You know, don't don't overreact. Obviously, you know, you lose games where you blow a three goal lead in the third and you lose to a, a great Devils team. That's going to hurt. But, you know, you got to have patience. It's it's I'm not I'm I'm hovering, but I'm not slamming it just yet. So. He, he threw it up on a silver platter for me about trades because the one week we don't do a show, the Rangers cannot release Shesty anymore because uh, Ryan Reeves is gone. He's off to Minnesota as the Jets are this week. Uh, what do you think of that deal? Obviously, they wanted to clear some space. They get a fifth round pick, but you lose kind of a veteran leader in that locker room. What's your impressions of that deal as a as a reporter, as someone who's gotten to cover him? And the emotional side, the player side, the contract side, take us through it all, Molly. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack. I think that my biggest takeaway from the trade is that it had to happen for so many reasons. The Rangers needed the cap space and the best way to create the cap space and create the most amount of cap space was to trade him. The Rangers got a fifth round pick down the line. I think it's 2025. So the Rangers were able to get something out of it rather than if they were to try to waive him and somebody would pick him up and they'd lose him for nothing. I think that Ryan Reeves was getting cold in the press box. And I remember him saying last season that when he sits for a while, it's not good for him. He's 35 years old. He's not not young and, and limber anymore. So I think that he wants to still be playing and he still has he still has he still brings value. He still has value as a player 100%. Even if it's not so much on the ice, what he brings to a locker room is you just can't put a price on it. You really can't. Um and I wrote about this in my column I think that the Rangers needed to bring Ryan Reeves to New York in the first place to really help usher along this new age on Broadway, basically. I think that he has so much swagger and so much self-confidence that it is infectious. And he makes young guys and his teammates skate taller. And he's out there teaching guys how to fight. He's He brings so much life into a room to practice. He's always having fun. It's infectious. Um, he's a great guy to talk to, easily approachable, just the kind of guy that you can stick into any locker room and you don't have to worry about him. I think he's going to get a fresh chance with Minnesota. I think that they could use a guy like him. I think the young guys will benefit from having a, a guy like him around. And 
I know that my understanding of the way that the whole thing unfolded is that there was a mutual understanding between both parties, general manager Chris Jury and Reeves and his agent from the beginning of the season that it was very apparent that his role was probably going to be diminished from last season to this season. He played a lot of minutes for them last season. He played in the playoffs, except for games five and six of the Eastern Conference final. But depending on what they did in the offseason, it was pretty clear that he was probably going to get edged out of the lineup. And that also was exasperated by Julian Gauthier kind of finding a groove and, and finding his game a little bit and edging him out of the lineup. So it was kind of always on the horizon and a strong possibility. So my understanding is that there was an understanding between both parties that if he wasn't playing and there was a move that presented itself, that would be a good fit for Ryan Reeves, that Drury would pull the trigger on it. It did, thankfully, for both parties. Um, and I think everybody involved is is very happy about it. Reeves is familiar with Bill Guerin from his uh, brief time in Pittsburgh. So there's a familiar face there. And Garen basically said the same thing that I just did. You know, what he's going to bring to the locker room in Minnesota, you just can't put a price on it. That's that's the value that he brings. Um, and he'll, he'll also get playing time. They just lost uh, Tyler, Tyler Yost to waivers. So they have space, they had room and they opened their arms to Ryan Reeves. And and I think everybody's going to be uh, happy with the move. Unfortunate for him going somewhere colder and more boring. I mean, <laughs> yeah. leaving New York for Minnesota, uh, especially in the winter, it's not like you're going when it's like going to be decent out there, but I guess that is hockey weather there in Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, no, nobody was built for New York more than Ryan Reeves. Let me tell you, he thrived here. He really did. He, he, it's a loss for, for us as media members. Cause he was just such a great guy. You could ask him anything under the sun. He'd always give you a great quote, a colorful quote at that. Um, just a really fun guy to be around and we'll definitely miss him. But I think it was the right move for all parties, especially for the Rangers when it comes to creating cap space in preparation for the trade deadline and cutting their roster down to 22 players, which was also crucial because now they have been able to begin accruing more cap space by only carrying 22. All right. So Patrick Kane's coming to the Rangers, right? Yeah. Let's talk about it. There is a scenario now where that could happen. Of course, Chicago has to retain at least 50% of his contract, but there is a scenario now where that is a possibility. Whereas before this, it totally was not. Let's just... draw up a trade. Let's let's play let's play you know, trade ESPN trade machine right now. Uh, I don't know if I want to do that. Is it draft know. picks in Lafreniere for, for it's gonna be, it's gonna be it's gotta be. It's got to be a uh, a notable young guy. It's got to be a, a Lafreniere, a Capo, a Filipino. It's got to be one of them, I think, I would imagine. Larry has reported on it. A lot of national reporters have reported on it. I personally haven't. I'm not as integrated into the scene yet. I'm working my way there. But I just can't imagine that there's been this much smoke to it that there isn't a fire that's coming, you know, like I just, I can't imagine that it's not going to happen with how much it's been talked about. So I think that that would be awesome for the Rangers for so many reasons. And we can get into this when we talk about my locker room conversations, but reuniting Artemi Panarin with Pat, 
Patrick Kane would just, it would be a game changer. And what an exciting possibility for Rangers fans to be able to see that. And Artemi, actually, I, I was asking him about how he was, felt like he was coming along with Vincent Trocek. And he gave me his answer, which we'll talk about later. But I had to follow up. And I was like, well, you know, when you first slot next to Patrick Kane, did it take you time or, or out, how instant was it? And he just looked at me and he smiled and he was like, we didn't need any practices. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, oh, my God, like, how crazy would that be? Just how crazy would it be? So I think it's a very exciting possibility. And now it is an actual possibility because the Rangers were able to make this trade. Hearts, I see you drooling about this trade over there. <laughs> I mean, look, it's, it's something that's extremely attractive to me. It is. But the one thing that I'm kind of curious about, though, is. Kane is a free agent next year, right? Yeah, I think so. So you'd have to give up a lot to get him. You'd have to give mm -hmm. up a, a, a haul. Do you envision that, hypothetically speaking, if they did give up that said haul, is there a chance that they do try to do like a sign him to a long-term kind of deal so that you kind of lock him up so that you're not just giving up, you know, key franchise pieces for essentially a rental? I don't know if the Rangers have the space to do a long-term contract. I think he would be a pure rental. I really do. And that's also, you know, that's also going to come down to if Chris Jury thinks that the Rangers are capable of making another run of, run of the cup, if the Rangers are in a position to do that again at the end of this season. So I think it's all yet to be seen and a lot of it will be dependent on that. But if the Rangers are, then there is there's no better way to upgrade than that fortifies the top two lines really, really well. But yeah, it, it you know, this is a give and take league. They're going to have to give something up. But I also, I, I mean, I wrote a little bit about this today when writing about Keandre Miller. The Rangers have three key RFAs at the end of this season that they need to pay. Lafreniere, Heedle, and Miller. Obviously, Miller, if you ask me, is the most important one just in terms of what he's done for this team since he joined. With their cap situation, it's really tough, and I don't know if they'll be able to to give everybody what they want, but they should be able now that they have some space to at least do bridge deals. And that's also because for those three, at this moment in time, of course it could change. They don't have as much leverage over the Rangers than they do over these players because they're still coming along. I think the Rangers have more of the leverage in this situation right now. I think Keandre Miller, unless obviously Heedle or Lafreniere completely breaks out, that's all, always a possibility. But Miller is just minutes guzzling defenseman. He's reliable and he's shown this offensive upside, which we'll get into later when we talk about conversations in the locker room, that he is probably the priority of the three. But it's all it's all a numbers game. And I'll be very curious to see how it how it pans out for sure. But I think the Rangers might be in a position where they will want to unload somebody somewhere. Will they want to unload Gerard Gallant at some point <laughs> is the question. We'll close this segment with Molly. Rangers fans have him on the hot seat. It feels like, what do you think as someone who's there as talks to him or, you know, tries to talk to him? <laughs> what do you think of coach Gallant? Is he on the hot seat? Is there a chance if this team struggles that he gets fired during the season? I think the seat's a little warm. That's for sure. I don't know if I classify it as hot yet. But the seat's warm. This team, if 
if they continue on the trajectory that they're on and aren't able to turn it around as drastically as they need to, that could be on the table. But I don't think that Drury should forget what happened last season because I do believe that a lot of the Rangers' success and the like, I I, I will sit here and say that I think that that Gallant played a part in unlocking Chris Kreider. I think that the Rangers needed a guy like Gallant to come in and tell them, I want you to play to your strengths. I want you to play your game. I don't want you to be thinking about it too much. And that was exactly the kind of message that the Rangers needed. He's a player's coach. He always has their backs. Those are all great qualities. But I think one of my biggest problems, I guess, and I get, you know, this is also just might be how he deals with the media. And, you know, I get that too. But sometimes I think they're a little bit more excuses than there should be talking about other teams or referencing the back-to-backs, which I don't get me wrong. I'm freaking tired after the back-to-backs. I can't even imagine what the players are like, but I feel like when you want to keep this team morale of not making excuses, not wanting to put the blame on things that that comes from the top down. So I think that that could be part of it too, but I think that the seat is warm and just will continue to get warmer if things don't change. I'd like to see you and Gallant warm seats at a little <laughs> steakhouse, maybe Del Frisco's, maybe Common Ground on a Saturday night, pumping your I, fist at Mama I am sure Gallant and I would get along outside of the rink. <laughs> you know, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, there's some people just are are a little uptight about you know the whole press conference situation. You know, and I get it. It's weird. It's not natural. And New York is a really tough market. But yeah, you know, it's obviously been a lot bumpier of a road than it was last season. And even last season wasn't wasn't always easy in terms of asking him questions. But you you just got to you got to work with what you have. And and that's it. Surfing and turfing with Walker and Gallant in the next (laughs) episode of the podcast. Uh, Is he on your hot seat hearts as he's on he's on Molly's warm seat? Is he on your hot seat? No, no, I don't think so. I think that you need to at least establish and have some sort of stability. And I get it. Like when you have oh, tough, hard losses, like you got to want to move on and, and make make the, the drastic move. But I think any sort of in-season coaching move like that can do more harm than good, I feel like. Especially, you know, if, if the Rangers do decide to hold on for, you know, halfway through the year or whatnot, and the Rangers are still kind of middling, you know, it, it kind of says you don't have faith in what the coach is saying. I get that. But um, I, I'm always worried about bringing in a new voice and the team either being still checked out or they're not able to recover from what's going on in the past. So I'd rather not light the fire just yet and, you know, let things kind of cool off, get the Rangers back home, get them hot. And, you know, a lot can change very quickly for this team, I feel like. Sweet serenity of Andrew Hartz. It's a lot different than when he's banging the drums. He's the opposite. He's he's very serene on here. Uh, Well, the Rangers have a couple more home games coming up. Friday versus the Senators. Saturday versus the Blackhawks. Monday versus the Blues. Before Molly hits the blackjack table in Vegas and plays a little roulette. I see you as more of a penny slot kind of gal. (laughs) Oh, uh... do you? (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know if I should take that as an insult. A penny slot gal? Well, it means you're not a degenerate gambler, which it's better off for for you, I think. That's for sure. I don't see you like to like throw $25 away, uh, you know, on red or black. I don't don't like to throw 
any a, a penny away. I, See? I, <laughs> so you're not even a penny slot I, gal. I, I don't even. I'm sorry. And hey, so when you go to Vegas, you don't even do slots. You do nothing, no gambling. Nothing. Wow. No gambling whatsoever. I, I give the, you credit. That's the crazy. concept of gambling to me just seems so ridiculous. And I and I get that sports betting is fun. I can imagine that it's a blast and the high that you must get just from accurately picking the right team to win or the right player to score X amount of goals or whatever it is. I get the appeal. Don't get me wrong. I do just me personally. I just, Hey, I'd rather, I'd rather blow my money and I'll, I'll I'll say it. I'll rather blow my money on Christian Louboutin shoes like I did on Rodeo Drive in California, because at least I can look at those babies for the rest of my life, not just put it on the table, lose it and yeah. it's gone forever. And I didn't even get the high feeling from it at all. You know, <laughs> I don't know how you do it, but because that, that parlay hits, it feels like a million bucks, even if, if you lose it uh, the next week. So uh, I give you a lot of credit for going there to Vegas. Well, here in New York, the Rangers right now, before we close out, home ice has been a, quite the concern. This team has the least home wins in all the NHL. This was a 27-10-4 last year at home. They're 4-5-3 and three at the Mecca. And no matter what celebrity showing up, they're not helping. Dayball being there ain't helping this year like it was in the playoff run. So the Rangers got to be better at home. Well, at the arena and inside the locker room, Molly talks with some of these players because they pay her to do it. And she'll tell us about those conversations on Up in the Blue Seats next. I mean, some games, you know, obviously it didn't happen before, but I'm glad it finally happened tonight. And now we go inside the locker room with New York Post Rangers beat reporter Molly Walker. Take it away, Molly. I had a really, really nice sit down conversation with Keandre Miller. Obviously, things for that. Jacob Truba, Keandre Miller pair haven't gone according to plan this season, especially when you take into consideration that last season, they seemingly leapfrogged Adam Fox and Ryan Lindgren as the Rangers top shutdown pair. It hasn't exactly been the case this season. Truba has been dealing with an injury. That's a whole aspect to it. But for Keandre as well, my impression is that he wants to get points. And that's a little bit where his focus is right now. Being in in a contract year, that's a natural occurrence and a natural way to want to shift. And it's totally understandable, but Keandre's gotten caught cheating on offense at times. He can be a little overzealous on certain plays that cost him, that allow him to get beat. And I think that that first goal, once he gets it out of the way, it should be a little bit better for him going forward. I think that I I asked him in particular, I asked him if he felt like his offensive success last season, if he has allowed that to influence the way he's played this season a little bit. And he agreed. He said a little bit. He said, I started to find a little bit more success there in the playoffs than that last stretch of the year. Obviously, I wanted to come in this year and kind of build right where I started last year, but it doesn't always happen like that. It's about coming to the rink with a good attitude and knowing that those chances are coming, getting the chances. They're just not getting the results right now. So I think that he's in agreement that he's allowed wanting to contribute on offense to dictate the way that he's playing right now. 
but I, I do believe that once he gets that first goal out of the way, once he puts together a few games with, with a few points, that pressure will kind of alleviate and he'll get back on track on both sides of the puck, which is the most important thing. And I mean, he's 22 years old coming off his entry level contract. It's going to be his first deal. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. And I genuinely think that he's a really important part for this Rangers team at not saying that they would lose him, but I don't think they can afford to because I wrote it exactly minutes guzzling defensemen who have been, who are reliable and have an offensive upside don't grow on trees in the NHL. And he's a, you know, a born and bred New York Ranger drafted the whole thing. So I think that he's a really important piece, but he's figuring this season out is the way that he phrased it to me. Um, and I think it's just a matter of time before he he gets back there. It was a good conversation. Anyone else you spoke with? Miss Ryan Lingren, did you, did you <laughs> speak with anyone else? No, I didn't talk. I, I didn't talk with Lingren, but I mean, what a game Lingren had the other day. I actually I spoke to Chris Kreider about Ryan Lingren and Chris Kreider gave an all time quote <laughs> on Lingren. Chris can sometimes say things so poetically where I'm like, <laughs> I don't even know how he says, he told me, we always tell him before the game that he's the straw that stirs the drink. <laughs> and I think that's the most Chris Kreider way of explaining just how important Ryan Lindgren is to the Rangers. You, you remove Ryan Lindgren from the Rangers equation and for some reason, they fall apart at times. The team defense is just not the same. The will is just not the same. It's almost as if every time he's playing, every time he's on the ice, he sets the standard of work ethic, of the willpower, the way that they want to play, the way he blocked shots the other night in Ottawa, three assists first three-point game of his NHL career. He's not a guy that's going to light up the stat sheet, but he's always involved with everything that the Rangers do. And I I think Chris put it perfectly in a way that I never could have put it. So thank you, Chris Kreider, for, for, for probably one of the top three quotes of the season thus far. Chris Edgar Allan Poe yeah. Kreider. He's, <laughs> he's a poet, Shakespearean. We'll close out this episode of Up in the Blue Seats next. We're not looking for moral victories at this point. I think uh, find a way to get two points. That's, uh, that's the bottom line. Eventually, when the skill comes out, it's because the will comes first. That's like a line out of Cobra Kai, Molly. That's like the <laughs> sensei in Cobra Kai telling you to, like, knock this guy down. Love that. Chris Kreider, the poet himself. Well, that closes up shop here on episode 103 of Up in the Blue Seats, our Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Andrew Hartz and the intern Josh Crawford for helping me in producing the show. Catch up on all old episodes you may have missed. Subscribe to Up in the Blue Seats wherever you get podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon. And subscribe to New York Post Sports on YouTube to watch full episodes. And follow Molly on Twitter, at Molly Walker, two E's, two R's, at Andrew Hartz, at Jake Brown Radio. Follow us, tweet us there. Well, Molly, you have an impromptu trip to Vegas and Colorado next week. I wonder if you're going to bring anything back from either stop. <laughs> maybe some poker chips. I don't know. Maybe something else. Who knows? But are you looking forward to your West Coast trip next week? 
Yes, going back out west. Vegas is always fun. I also heard that they added something new to their pregame show, which first of all, how could you make that pregame show any better? I will report back if they do. So I'm excited to see that. That's for sure. Alrighty. Well, Viva Las Vegas. Enjoy your trip. We'll be back next Thursday here on Up in the Blue Seeds. For Molly Walker, Andrew Hartz, I'm Jake Brown. We'll talk to you all next week. Enjoy the next couple of Ranger home games here in New York, and we'll talk to you next time on Up in the Blue Seeds.